Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! All right, everybody, it is time for us to take another dive into the world of hot takes, specifically yours, because I want Reddit to hate you instead of me. Like I said before, I'm tired of every time I open Reddit, when I'm just scrolling in bed, you know, getting sleepy, I'm tired of opening up Reddit and uh, stumbling across a picture of myself on there with 200 comments talking about what a horrible person I am and how bad all my opinions are. Uh, I would like you to be the target of Reddit's hate from now on. So I thought what we could do is uh, take a look at some of your hot takes from Twitter and uh, I will tell you whether I agree or not. And uh, maybe if I'm lucky, Next time, uh, Twitter will turn their rage on you instead of me. First one here from your man, Derek Flores, who is in the chat. He says, breakdowns suck. Anyone can start a successful metalcore band because chugging rhythmically takes very little skill. Well, I'll tell you one thing I do not agree with is the idea that chugging rhythmically doesn't take any skill. I know I use this example a lot, but take a mirror as an example. You remember back in the, whatever, 2010 or something like that, there was all those mirror jokes about like Cheerios because all their tabs were OOO or binary. It's all 101 or whatever. And it's true in the sense that you know, breakdowns are, you know, simple in the sense that they're just zeros and ones or whatever. But this shit is not easy to play. If you think this is easy to play, I invite you to record yourself playing this to a click doubled. Okay. And you will very quickly find out how hard it is to play this stuff. This is deceptively hard to play. This tight is hard. As an added challenge, on this particular album, the guitars are not double-tracked, they're quad-tracked. So there's four tracks of guitars. Josh, Travis, the guitarist, recorded them all in one day. So like probably one or two takes. So I don't agree that they're like easy to play because they're not. Playing anything tight is hard. Now, as to the question of uh, what, what exactly did he say here? The breakdowns suck. I do agree that breakdowns are overused in the sense of like, I don't know, there's a lot of bands that just sort of it feels like they just put a breakdown in to have a breakdown in, but like a breakdown only means something if you lead up to it, right? Like the idea of a breakdown. So breakdowns, to just to give a quick history lesson, breakdown started in the context of like jazz and funk. So like James Brown, he'd be like, break it down. And it would like all, everything else would drop out of the song, the guitars and the horns and all that. So it'd be just the bass and the drums. And that's the part that, you know, people would like dance extra hard to, you know, not like mosh dance, but you know, dance dance, you know, cut a rug because they broke it down to just the bass and the drums. Ever since then, you know, it has basically just become like the chug part. Those work best when they actually, when there's dynamics. For example, think about like Raining Blood by Slayer or Domination by Pantera. Yeah, every punchline needs a setup, exactly. The reason why those hit so hard is because they built up to it 
by having a song that wasn't a breakdown. So when bands just play, you know, 15 different chug riffs and then one of them is like slightly chuggier than the other one, it's like, well, I don't know. Does that really like, is that actually heavy? You know what I mean? Does that, is that cool? No. So I do agree that breakdowns are overused, but I think at least in the context of metal, a good breakdown, I mean, whatever, pick your favorite one. There's a million of them, but like a good breakdown, in my opinion, is like still pretty great. Um, you know, to the hellfire being like another one that's pretty cool that most more recently is probably like the most well-known breakdown of the past couple years, I think. So yeah, I agree that breakdowns can be overused. I do not agree that they're easy to play and I don't think they suck. I think breakdowns are amazing and great. If you don't like breakdowns, get the fuck out of my country. That's what I think. Anybody who doesn't like breakdowns is not welcome in America. That's what I say. Okay, next one from Tall Guy. Oh, I like this. I like this. I was wondering, why does he call himself Tall Guy? And I see here his profile says 6'4". And uh, yeah, I mean, valid. That is definitely tall, you know, because I'm 5'11", okay? And there's some people that are like 5'11 that will call themselves tall. And it's like, eh, I mean, 5'11 is diet six foot, exactly. And six foot is like diet tall, okay? 6'4, that's like officially tall. So tall guy, uh, yeah, you have my blessing to refer to yourself as tall guy. Now, his hot take is that Dream Theater is good. I've made fun of Dream Theater fans dozens, if not hundreds of times over the years. I will continue to make fun of Dream Theater fans relentlessly. <laughs> if you've never heard Dream Theater, we'll play them for you in a second, but let me describe the sound of Dream Theater first, okay? So just close your eyes, take a deep breath, get yourself into a meditative state where your mind can paint the picture that I'm about to describe for you. Do you have your eyes closed? Did you take a breath? Are you hydrated? If you wanna know what Dream Theater sounds like, imagine, imagine the sound of no bitches. <laughs> And that is the sound. That's what Dream Theater sounds like. But uh, in all seriousness, I actually do think Dream Theater is good. I really do. Like, Pull Me Under, this was like their, you know, their breakthrough song from what, 92 or something like that. I think this is good. I really do. They don't suck. Dream Theater is good. The vocals are a little bit cheesy, I guess, but I think they're good. Right? It's not bad. I wouldn't necessarily choose to listen to them all the time, but I do think they're good. I mean, as far as progressive metal goes, like they're popular for a reason. They actually have songs. And I mean, they've been a band for what, like 35 years or something like that now. So, you know, obviously in 35 years, you're going to have some clunkers in the catalog. But, uh, you know, to me, when I make fun of Dream Theater, yeah, it's exactly what Holy Train says. The problem isn't Dream Theater, it's that their fans make their fandom and surface level understanding of theory their personality. That's what it is. Bowie, Dylan, Marley, you've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to 
actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks With Johnny, streaming everywhere now. It's like, it's not that deep, man. Like, they're a metal band that goes chugga-chugga, weedly-weedly. And, like, if you like that, that's that's totally cool. I think, you know, nothing wrong with that. You can like whatever you like. But it's just this sort of, like, pretentiousness of the fans that think that just because they listen to this music that, you know, uses deliberately unconventional time signatures, that somehow that makes their opinions on anything more valid. Again, the only thing that your opinion is more valid on, let me put it this way. If I want some advice on how to deal with prolonged periods of celibacy, well, <laughs> I know where to go. I feel like we could do one of those man on street videos, going to Dream Theater show, interviewing them like, uh, excuse me, Excuse me, could we ask you a few questions? Yeah, here with uh, Punk Rock NBA, just want to know, as a man who's gone over six months without touching a tit, what's your best tip for dealing with the crushing loneliness of knowing that a woman hasn't so much as locked eyes with you in the better part of a year? How do you deal with it? I would definitely like to know their opinions on that. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that Dream Theater sucks by any means. They know what they're doing. They know who their audience is. They know that their audience is dudes who would rather jerk off to a guitar than a girl and hey they've gotten rich as fuck doing it so why should they change you know they're multi-millionaires from selling guitars to virgins and good for them so i understand why that is a hot take because you're supposed to you're supposed to hate dream theater i don't hate dream theater I, it's more just like i roll my eyes at the pretentiousness of some part of their fan base that's all next up from uh tylerdrums.eth first of all Tyler, nobody uses .eth anymore. Uh, NFTs are so last year. Let's see if he actually bought this domain. Let's see. No, he did not. Okay, good. Good. Okay, good. Happy to hear that he did not actually buy the domain. Anyway, 75% of Slipknot songs sound the exact same. That is Tyler's hot take. You know, I, I don't think that that's wrong necessarily but here's the thing here's the thing slipknot has been a band for what 30 years now right they've been a band since like 94 or something like that any band that's been around for that long is gonna have some clunkers just like dream theater like and clearly slipknot has passed their prime the last few albums you know nothing wrong with them but you know not amazing but here's, here's the, the thing. thing slipknot at their best is fucking amazing like psychosocial in my opinion is one of the absolute best metal songs ever made this song is a fucking 10 out of 10 in my opinion love it and even slipknot at their worst like the newer slipknot stuff which i would say is not amazing but it's fine there's nothing wrong with it and i don't really think it sounds the same like the new stuff it almost has a little bit of this like progressive kind of twinge to the vocals i guess i mean i do agree that slipknot has quite a few songs that are kind of mid but their great songs are not just good their great songs are like iconic you know, psychosocial, people equal shit, spit it out. Like, their best songs are, like, all-time classics. Duality, Snuff. I mean, yeah, their best songs are absolute classics. So even if you think that 75% of their songs sound the same and are crappy, which I don't entirely agree with that, but even if you were to accept that, what's left is so goddamn good that it doesn't matter. Same with Guns N' Roses. Like, Guns N' Roses has, like, at least one album of just complete fucking garbage.
garbage, but it doesn't matter because they have two albums that are okay, one that's garbage, and one that is a fucking god-tier all-time classic. And for me personally, I would rather have 75% of my stuff be mediocre, but whatever's left over be as good as Slipknot than just to be like kind of consistently above average. In my opinion, that's what I would want. So I agree in a sense that 75% of their songs may kind of sound the same, maybe mid, but I don't agree with the implication that that means what's left is not good. So yeah, I, I don't know. A lot of these are kind of contrarian, you know, and many people think I am a contrarian. That's not true. I may not be necessarily the biggest fan of all of this stuff, but you know, to call a band like Slipknot overrated, I'm sorry, that is too flaming hot, even for this guy. Okay, next, from Westron. He says, Taylor Swift is being more punk rock by pissing off the establishment than any artist out there. I agree with this uh, reply here. Uh, Taylor Swift is pissing off the establishment, question mark. I feel like, if anything, Taylor Swift now is probably the most, like, establishment-friendly artist, like, of all time. Taylor Swift mania is at an all-time high. So I listen to a lot of business podcasts and stuff like that. And every venture capitalist now is like jerking off Taylor Swift of like, well, you know, if you think about it, this new cloud AI platform is actually the Taylor Swift of software. You know, <laughs> ESPN is jerking her off too hard too. I don't know who she's pissing off. Yeah, she's the establishment's poster child. Exactly. And critics love her now. You know, at least um, back in, I don't know, back in whatever, like 2009 when she was doing You Belong With Me, back then at least the critics sort of rolled their eyes at her because like, oh, this is just like crappy pop music for little kids. Oh my God. Taylor Swift, why would you put your feet in a video? You should know better than this. Why would you do that? <laughs> you know what people are going to do with those feet. I think some people are just overhearing about her in general. I agree with that. Um, I'm tired of hearing about her. Uh, and, you know, I've been a Taylor Swift fan for a long time, but I'm tired of hearing about her personally. It's just like, I feel like everywhere I go, there's people just jizzing about how great Taylor Swift is. And, uh, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm a fan. I have no issue with it. But, I mean, especially since Folklore came out, when she went indie, that's when, like, the Fantano people all kind of decided that she's actually, you know, a brilliant, meaningful artist for some reason. I'm not sure why. Something about, you know, that album, I guess because it's boring and it sounds like Lana Del Rey. Suddenly they decided that it's okay to like Taylor Swift. So I don't know who she is supposedly pissing off. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't think I agree with you, Wes, but thank you. Next up from Joey Peppersack. I hope that's your real name. Peppersack. Man, imagine having a last name with sack in it when you're a kid. When he's in fifth grade, you know what everyone's calling him, right? <laughs> like on the first day of school, everyone like reads out the names. He's just dreading they're getting to like L-M-N-O. He's like, oh God, here it comes. So, like Joey uh, Peppersack. And everyone laughs and they're like, huh. and then the, the asshole bully jock in the back is like, Joey Ballsack. Are you here today, Joey Ballsack? He's like, oh, fuck. Mom, why didn't you change your name? Ah. My boss's last name is Nut. Well, I'll tell you this. I interviewed for a job once with a guy named Ron Dick. And uh, afterwards, it was like, okay, well, you know, we'll be in touch. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll send you, you know, an email. And he's like, yeah, you know, just my, it's just Ron Dick at such and such. And I was like, 
okay, uh, how do I spell dick? And he just looked at me like, are you serious? He's like, D-I-C-K. And I was just like, fuck, why, why did I ask him how to spell dick? <laughs> why did I do that? I actually did get the job, though, surprisingly. Yeah, surprisingly. Anyway, Joey Ballsack. Joey Ballsack here. He says, metal will never become a popular genre again. The public's interests have been moving away from rock for years, and soon financial hardships will kill any exciting bands out there. I mean, I've talked about this a million times. Um, so I do agree with this. Yeah, I don't know that this is a hot take. I feel like this is a cold take, but I think this is a self-inflicted wound. It is true. He said the public's interests have been moving away from rock for years. And the question is why? Some people in my comments uh, will say, oh, it's because the mainstream media is just pushing black culture on people. It's not cool to be white anymore. Like, oh yeah, okay. That's, that's definitely it. The grand conspiracy against white people in the media. That's definitely to blame. I'm joking, but I actually do see that in my comments. Obviously, it's not that. The real question is, why have people become less interested in rock? As I've said a million times, I think this is a self-inflicted wound, and I think it's because any time in which the demand for music to cut through the noise, the bar for getting noticed keeps getting higher and higher and higher, at that same time, rock music in general has become increasingly reluctant to do the things that make you popular. So again, as I've said before, this is not actually the music industry. It is the entertainment industry. And rock musicians don't want to be entertaining. They just want to be guitar operators. I hear this one a lot too. Learning instruments is harder than FL Studio. Uh, that's false. Have you ever tried to learn a DAW? Like FL Studio or Ableton? It's hard as fuck. Like to learn how to use Ableton well is as hard or harder than any instrument. I would say to learn how to use Ableton and FL Studio well, like to program and make beats and all that kind of stuff is like, it's almost like learning every instrument. It's hard as hell. And learning how to mix, this shit is not easy. So I don't think it's at all true that like it's easier. It is true that, I mean, when you think about a band, why would someone start a band and have to split the money with three or four or five other people when you could just make music by yourself, download a beat and rap over it? Why would you do that? And like, even aside from the money, if you've ever been in a band, you know how it is. It's like, it is such a pain in the ass being in a band with other people because the bassist is fucking always late. The guitarist has a bunch of bad ideas. You know, you always have to argue with them and the drummer sucks. And it's just like, you spend all your fucking time and energy just managing the other egos in the band and arguing with people and stuff instead of actually making music. But when you are by yourself as a solo musician, you can do whatever you want. That aside, I think the real issue is that just rock has become a very conservative traditionalist genre where if you do anything basically that stands out, it's like there's the saying in Japan, the nail that sticks up gets hammered down. That's kind of what rock is. You know, if you do anything other than stand around in black jeans and a black t-shirt wearing a black motorcycle jacket in a warehouse like looking serious in your photos then they talk shit about you and you can see the bands that actually break out of that such as ghost or sleep token or falling in reverse who have big personalities a big image they have lore to talk about you know polyphia I mean, Polyphia's music is obviously extremely nerdy, but they're doing great because they understand all this stuff. So I think metal could be popular again. Like there's no reason why it couldn't. People just want to be entertained. You know, it's not like there's some sort of like 
grand conspiracy about metal, if the right thing came along, it could be popular again. I mean, you see like Olivia Rodrigo, obviously not metal, but like that's rock. That's popular again. She's huge. So it's totally possible. The question is just whether rock bands want to do the things that you need to do in order to become successful now. And I don't think they do. So I do agree with this opinion. I agree with Joey Bullsack. I agree, but you know, really the ball is in the court of, uh, of rock bands to change that. So it's up to them. Next one we have from then Alex said, Angels and Airwaves was better than Blink-182. That is indeed a very, very hot take. Very hot take. I will tell you this. This is a nuanced conversation. I don't agree with it, but there is a way that it's kind of true, which is, if you look at it this way, Blink at their very best is better than Angels and Airwaves, meaning Blink with Tom is better than Angels and Airwaves. So like Dude Ranch, Enema of the State, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, and Self-Titled, I would say are better than Angels and Airwaves. However, Angels and Airwaves is more consistent because Angels and Airwaves has never put out anything bad. So this is from like three years ago, I think. It's pretty damn good. Yeah, even at their worst, Angel and Airwaves is still pretty damn good. I suppose it depends on how you look at it. Angels and Airwaves is the U2 of pop punk. It definitely is. I mean, 99.9% .9 of the time, when you see a punk band, when they get the uh, the hollow body guitars and the delay pedals, you're like, ugh. <laughs> it's the beginning of the end. Angels and Airwaves, probably the only exception to that rule of uh, hollow body guitar and delay pedal that's actually good. Yeah, I agree with this. I think the correct opinion is that Tom is just a legendary songwriter. I think that's what it is. Tom plus Mark and Travis is better than just Tom on his own. But just Mark and Travis without Tom, not as good as Tom is on his own, right? So this is like, this is the math of how you have to think about it. I definitely don't agree with Blink being better than Angels and Airwaves. But I do think Angels and Airwaves is pretty goddamn good. Very underrated. Everything they've done is like surprisingly great. I actually just wrote a video about Tom DeLonge and I went back and listened to all their stuff again. And I was like, Angels and Airwaves is fucking awesome. I actually love this band. I think they're really underrated, even though it might feel weird to say they're underrated because everyone knows who they are. But I don't know. It's like you don't really hear that many people talk about Angels and Airwaves, right? But they're great. They've never done anything bad. Whereas Blink, they have quite a few stinkers in their catalog, like Skiba era Blink. I'm sorry, I've talked about this a million times, but it, it's true. Skiba era Blink is just bad. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it's bad. Even the current version of Blink, I would say like the new Blink with Tom again is definitely the best they've sounded in a long time, but I still don't think it's as good as Angels and Airwaves, in my opinion. So I don't agree with this exactly, but I do think that there's some truth to it in the sense that Angels and Airwaves is better than a lot of people realize. That's what I think. So there's my nuanced take on it. And uh, lastly, from our friends at Emo's Not Dead. Their hot take is that Emo is in fact not dead. It's true, Emo is not dead, but it has become, as my friends at Neopunk FM say, it has become part of the Emo industrial complex. For example, the uh, Emo's Not Dead coffee, <laughs> the Screamo blend, it has become part of the Millennial nostalgia marketing machine. Um, just proof 
that oh god this is so good this is so good join their newsletter they'll never understand what i like about this is that these guys know exactly what they're doing they understand that pandering to millennial nostalgia is basically just free money right? They understand. They get it. So I say shout out to the folks at Emo's Not Dead for getting the bag, for squeezing every dime they can out of millennial nostalgia for uh, the years 2005 through 2008. Hats off to them. Emo's Not Dead, but it most certainly has turned into uh, millennial exploitation. So that does it for this edition of I React to Your Flaming Hot Takes. Join me next time for another edition. Imagine the sound of no bitches. <laughs> hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Hello out there! Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!